What if you could graduate from college debt-free, ready to witness for Christ with wisdom and wonder for the rest of your life? Well, that's the promise of Bethlehem College, where you can study great books in light of the greatest book for the sake of the Great Commission. Don't waste your college life. Spend it in an intentionally small church-based school, learning and sharing the truth that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. To apply or learn more, visit bcsmn.edu. That's Bethlehem College. Education in serious joy. Welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast, which equips parents to think biblically about some of the most pressing and confusing issues of our day. The Rooted Parent Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Conference Podcast, the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, Ask Alice, and Thanos to Theos. Rooted is a ministry that focuses on advancing grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated youth ministry. Learn more at rootedministry.com. Here are your hosts, Cameron Cole and Anna Mead Harris. Welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast. I am Cameron Cole. And I'm Anna Mead Harris. They call her. I'm the team mom. They call me. Big C. That's right. Um, how you doing today, team mom? I'm doing well. It is a beautiful, spectacular spring day. Beautiful spring in Birmingham. It is a spectacular spring. Yeah, really I'll is. Take good, it. good golf weather. Ah, nice for you. Yeah. yeah. Good gardening weather. Ah, me. good for you. <laughs> yes. Well, friends, we are here at our last episode on the uh, the series we've done for a large part of this year. About what the Bible says about parenting. What the Bible says about parenting. We've gone through pretty much all of the passages and stories in the Bible that have uh, that have to do with parenting, and we land on what may be my favorite story, uh, which is Matthew twenty, the story of as you said it, the OG soccer mom. That's right. And and quite honestly, she's more, Salome is more than just the OG soccer mom. She's kind of like the ancient tiger mom, mm. maybe the, uh, the ancient stage, stage mom. mom. Yes, yes. Honey Boo Boo's Mama June. There you go. In there the, you go. In, in her original form. Yeah, first century Mama June. Yes. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. We, OG, by the way, is original. Original. And I, thought, I think we're pretty hip for. I mean, so cool, team mom. We are so <laughs> cool. Yeah, but really, what we're talking about is is this complex that we see in modern life and this temptation that we as parents have to kind of function like our children's manager. Mm, yeah. To feel like it's our job to promote them and to maximize their potential in the market economy. Exactly, exactly. And so we jockey for position, both for ourselves and for them, so right. that they will get the notice, the recognition, the training, whatever it may be, and pour ourselves into furthering whatever cause we have in mind for them. Yeah, and it seems like the, you know, the process tends to be we identify where our kids may have some gifts, mm-hmm. and then we pour rocket fuel on that. Yes, I recall sitting in the at the ball field, watching my son at shortstop, and thinking, "I could never do that. <laughs> we are going to make sure that boy gets whatever he needs to play shortstop." Hey, and there he you was go. Seven, six. <laughs> right. 
And so there's this, and I call it the college arms race or college admissions arms race. And honestly, a consciousness and awareness of this begins when our kids are young and we feel this pressure Mm -hmm. that if we're not doing everything we can to give our child every opportunity to excel and to be the best, then they're going to fall behind and there's the spiral and it will be it will be my fault. It'll be my fault. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, but on the other other side of that, if they rise to glory, <laughs> they get into an Ivy League school, or they are a college athlete, or they're the homecoming queen, or you know, class favorite, whatever it may be, we feel this incredible sense of euphoria, accomplishment, even. Yes. Yes. It's a it's a, almost an addictive high. It, I, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, I, I think this, this episode will probably hit home with a lot of our parents because you feel this pressure mm-hmm. and, and all of us kind of lose our way in terms of what our primary purpose is with our kids, which is to point them to Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, to, to disciple them toward faith in Christ. And so this hopefully will give you some relief, but also will be refining for all of us. Yes. Yeah. This is an important conversation and something that we need to to have in mind in front of us, no matter whether our children are infants in our arms or full grown, because it's always a temptation. Yeah, it is. And, you know, for me, Anna, you know, through skin in the game, I'll throw my skin in the game here. For me, it started when my first child was three months old and he was a big baby, very big baby. (laughs) And he had big feet and he was long and I'm very tall. They call me the big C because I'm for a reason six, five. (laughs) And I kind of look like I maybe played tight end in college. And anyhow, I start to start having rocking him one night. I'm having fantasies about his plan for life because God loves him and I have a wonderful plan for his life. And it went all the way from, you know, I'll get him playing soccer early. So he has good feet and he's got a big frame and his grandfather played college football and, He's going to, you know, be a football player and I'll send him to a fifth year at a boarding school so that he can get some extra academic training and he'll get exposure to Ivy League schools. He'll go to an Ivy League school and then he'll be an investment banker on Wall Street (laughs) with Goldman Sachs. And, you know, here this child is three months old, pooping diapers, you know, not even close to sleeping through the night. Right. You know, still probably getting two feeds in the middle of the night. (laughs) And I have placed him at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, this is something that we're all susceptible to. And we want to say up front that there is nothing wrong with hoping that your children flourish, right. that hoping that the God gifts that God gave them will be used to the service of his kingdom. And that is a good hope and a good aspiration, but we need to just be careful that our hope is in Christ. Right. And that our hope is more than anything, they will know him and he will direct their paths. That's right. And you use the word flourishing, and that's a great term to use because that is an aspiration we have for our children. Absolutely. But we need to understand that flourishing comes in communion with God. Yes. And flourishing comes through obedience to God's law by the Spirit. God's law points us to human flourishing. Exactly. Uh, and so. Yeah, Jesus is where flourishing will occur for your child. 
And so I, I do think you know, as we we're about to get into Matthew 20. Mm-hmm. So if you're a person who you know is has a Bible or you're um, driving the car and you want to pull out your phone, put your Bible up. No, I'm just no, kidding. No, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, just kidding. But I think it is important to say that this conversation is different based on your socioeconomic situation. Yes. For some families and some situations, if you live in a middle class or upper middle class or affluent suburban area, this conversation is different than if your child, you and your child live in a situation where you have very few resources. Uh, and, 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 and for some of your child's basic development, you do kind of have to perhaps um, you do, you do appropriately feel the need to go get your child extra resources right? Uh, to, to see them use their gifts. But for a lot of folks where there's an abundance of resources, this kind of plays out like an arms race and it's over the top. It becomes instead of wisely guiding your child, it becomes idolatry. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 And when, when child sacrifice, (laughs) going back to the episode about Moloch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with Matthew 20. Uh, this is the mother of James and John asked Jesus uh, for a favor, <laughs> mailing in a favor. And so we're going to start in verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered. So we'll stop there for just one second. Okay. So let's do a little biographical information here. Good. Okay. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Salome and and her boys. So the mother of the sons of Zebedee is named elsewhere as Salome. And um, there, it is very possible if you look in Mark 15, 40, 41, 16, 1, that she was actually Jesus's mother, Mary's sister, biological sister which would make the sons of Zebedee his cousins so, right. and first cousins. So they are very likely family and she's his aunt and she is coming here to milk the close family connection. A little nepotism. <laughs> she has to the son of God. And um, yeah, she's taking advantage of that relationship instead of... Um, allowing the natural course of things to take event, to take place with, with her sons. Yeah. And so it's, it's helpful to understand just what she's asking for yeah. to get a sense of how awkward this is and how inappropriate this is. So when she says that my two sons would sit at your right hand, your left hand, your kingdom, she's not, she's not talking in spiritual terms. I think, I think, a reader, a modern reader who's a Christian can read this as, oh, my sons are going to be spiritually mature and so on and so forth. That ain't what's going on here. <laughs> right. She's essentially expecting that Jesus is going to have a worldly political kingdom. Mm-hmm. And she is trying to leverage the family relationship to get her son's positions as the secretary of state and the vice president of Jesus's kingdom. Men of power and clout in Jerusalem in contemporary terms. Exactly. Now let's, let's think about how awkward this is. <laughs> These are grown men. 
by all accounts. <laughs> and let's pretend that these cousins were working at the local accounting firm that that their employed. This would be like she goes into the office, sits down with their boss, and says, hey, I want to make sure that son number one and son number two, that they're, they're at entry level right now. But I, you know, in a couple of years, I, I just want to ensure that you're going to take care of them and they're going to be middle management. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You know, this is just not appropriate. This is very awkward because uh, they're adults and, she, you know, she's an adult. And Unless you think we exaggerate, college professors can attest to the fact that parents mm-hmm. contact them. Unreal. When their adult children are not doing well in classes. They, there are also those who hire adults who can attest to the fact that sometimes if they're interviewing a young person for a position, they will get a phone call from a parent. And as one friend of mine who is CEO of her own uh, environmental cleanup company, multi-million dollar company, said she has told parents, the moment you called me is the moment I will not hire your child. You need to understand. Hashtag boundaries. You are not part of this process. And um, you're only hurting your child when you interfere in this way. So in verse 22, Jesus says, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink? So I think that, uh, I think that it'd probably be good for us to get into the mind of Salome. Mm-hmm. Let's think about at the heart level what is driving her impulse to do something that's so inappropriate? So embarrassing. So yeah. I feel so embarrassed for her sons, right? For her boys. Like yes. when you, you know, when you're telling you, hey, if you're a listener and, you, and you've called to try to jockey for your kid to get a job, there's grace for you. There's grace. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. it would be really embarrassing for your child. Yes. Yes. If they found out. But what do we think? You know, this is this is this is the key to understand what are her motives. Because this is what we all experience, right? Because We've all experienced this fear that we're failing our kids, mm-hmm. that we're not giving them every opportunity. And I think that that, I, I think it's virtuous, but I'm not sure. But that is something that drives me is I want to give my children every opportunity to flourish. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yes, Salome loves her children. And it, it's a question, however, of what that love leads her to do. And what the boundaries of that ought to be. She's thinking in worldly terms. She wants earthly power for her sons. And she is not thinking about necessarily what God's plans for her children are. And she is not thinking about. Jesus puts puts it in perspective here. You do not know what you're asking. What does it mean to walk that closely with Jesus? Uh, Are you able to drink the cup? The cup that Jesus drinks is the cup of suffering. That's it. And we will see that because of their proximity to Jesus and the way in which they served him after his um, death and resurrection, that uh, James will be the first martyr. Is that correct? That's right. And John will live a life of exile and persecution. persecution. So it, it is a pretty stiff cup that they are asking to drink. Well said, well said. And, and I, I, you can just see that her, she has a, like you said, she has a vision, she has a plan. Mm-hmm. 
And what's key to note here is that her plan for her kids' lives is a reflection of her idols. You know, for me, for me, my aspirations for my kids would be that they would be really good academically mm-hmm. or that they'd be really good athletes or that they'd be real impressive. And, and pretty much all of my aspirations are that have to do with my idols. It's just me projecting my idolatrous religious faith in my flesh when I'm not, you know, repenting and living out of a pure heart under the, uh, under submission to the Holy spirit and under submission to God's word. It's just me projecting my idols onto my kids. And as we've said that we are, we are not just seeking to, to have our idol idol satisfied, but we are seeking to justify ourselves through those idols and, and get the satisfaction that we experience out of their worldly success from what God does in their lives. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think is why in parenting, the best thing that we can all do for our parents. And let me tell you, I include the person that I include the man in the mirror in this more than anybody is to dig into our hearts and to know our idols, to know our sins, to know our tendencies in the way that we try to self-justify ourselves and to put that before the Lord, receive his grace and repent. Doing regular inventory of our heart is critically important because if we don't, then our idols are what is going to drive our parenting. And I think that there are some built-in warning lights that God gives us when Mm -hmm. we're really, really anxious that our plan for our child is threatened. Yeah. Um, When things like when the team is selected, our level of anxiety about whether or not our child makes the team or gets the part or makes the grade or the ACT score, whatever it is, our leveling of anxiety is a great indicator light that we have an idol in play. That's it. And we're wise to ask God to really open our eyes when that happens. That's right. And so I I think one of the biggest points we'll make in this is that let's think about her son's situation right now. They are... Uh, in close fellowship with the Messiah, with the son of God. Now she doesn't have a clear enough picture of who Jesus is at that point, but we do like we do. Mm -hmm. She is, they spend every day with God being taught directly by God. And that right there is enough. That is the Mm -hmm. ultimate, ultimate position of human flourishing for a human being to live an intimate fellowship with Jesus, to, to live in submission to Jesus, to be in a position and have a heart where they're learning from and being guided by Jesus. Her sons had that, but it wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. And that, that is where our idols come in. We think that, no, Jesus is enough. It needs to be Jesus plus Mm, this idol. Right. No, my salvation is not enough the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the righteousness of Jesus is not enough. They need more. That's a good word. Yeah. And so that's ultimately, she can't see that. And I think that that's what's, we have to go back to ground zero 
as parents every day and to remember what is what is going to make my child most content and satisfied is for them to have an intimate relationship with Jesus where they depend on him mm. and for them to be sanctified into people who live like Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is, uh, you know, Salome kind of wants a fast, easy track to the top, you know, by calling in a favor to Jesus to, to, to nephew Jesus. <laughs> and in reality, the pathway to humans flourishing fellowship with Jesus, sanctification, all that is through the cross, it's through suffering It's mm-hmm. to die. It's to fail. It's to be convicted of your sin, to be caught in your sin. Ah. That's the path. And that, that take, that's a good segue, um, from verse, let's, let's read verse 22 again okay. to get into that. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it, for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must also must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Good stuff. All right, so as you said earlier, it says, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They're able to drink the cup that I am to drink. And you're right, He's Jesus is going to drink the cup of wrath. The, the term cup, has to do with your eternal destiny. Mm. And so there's, you know, you either pour out the cup of salvation or God pours out the cup of wrath. And so Jesus is saying, man, I'm going to drink the cup of wrath for you. And so to be a follower of me means that you're going to suffer. If you want your kids to flourish, if you want your kids to have glory, the path is painful. And that's not something that we really go fall on our knees and pray about for our children. <laughs> no, no, no. We want it. We want life to be as easy for them as possible. And that is an okay impulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, simultaneously, when our kids are having a tough time, when they're failing, when they don't make the team, uh, when they're uh, struggling socially or with friendships, whatever it may be, that that's God is at work. That is the path that he has chosen to take your child. And he's not out, your child, he or she is not out of God's hand. If if they're going through a difficult season or if they're suffering, if they have anxiety, whatever the case may be. Right. And you just made a great, you use that word is not out of your, out of God's hand. So when Jesus says to sit at my right hand mm-hmm. and my left is not mine to grant, but it's, it's, you know, it's that of the father. Well, what is that saying to Salome and to us about us feeling a sense of entitlement uh, or privilege to our kids plan? You know, we, we, our kids belong to God. They're the purpose for their life belongs to the Lord and his purposes for the kingdom of God, whatever that may look like. And so we can just have this sense of entitlement 
as it pertains to our kids path in life that is in, that is just not uh let's put trying to put ourselves in the place of god it only belongs to god the father right right and this story makes me think of back in the old testament rebecca had twins jacob and esau and before they were ever born and were wrestling in her womb she received the prophecy from god that the younger the second would rule over the older who was Esau. So Jacob would rule over Esau. And later we will see that she connives with Jacob to supplant Esau. And the thing that, and it destroys her family when she does. I mean, Jacob has to run away in fear that Esau is going to murder him. And that is a very dramatic example of the fact that we do not have to make God's plans for our children happen. God will make those plans happen. She had already received a prophecy that Jacob would rule over Esau. She did not have to make that happen. His destiny was already in God's hands. And she took that to mean that she had to do something about it. Mm. And the fact of the matter is God could have done something about that probably in a far better way than having Jacob having to run off and and be away from his family. She never saw him again. She lost her son for making the prophecy come true. And mm. so we, most of us, do not have specific prophecies for our children's lives spoken over us like she did. But right. the point is the same, that it's not up to us to make whatever God has planned for our ch- children come to pass. Yeah, he's got that. He is he is capable without us. Thank God. <laughs> Amen. And so I mean, I think it's a, a helpful way to think about this is that your child belongs to God. Their path belongs to God. And we want to be a faithful person to sit beside our child and help discern that call. We want to relinquish any sense yes. of ownership. Yes. That we that, that, that we may mistakenly grasp onto. We are not anxious owners. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love so that good. phrase. It helps me a lot. It helps me a lot. Really good. So takeaways, let's land the plane and let's talk real practical. We've already said a couple of these, but just to kind of reinforce first is the need for us to examine our own heart, examine our own idols, examine the ways that we try to justify ourselves but also to examine where we feel a sense of inadequacy. Mm. I think that that's a lot of what drives our plans for our kids' lives. Yes. Is that usually our dreams for our kids have something to do with uh, where we felt like we were not enough. We get really excited when we think our child can be what we were not. Yes. Socially, financially. Mm -hmm. Uh, athletically, academically, whatever it may be, or, and also to examine where we ourselves felt very justified and feel like, Mm. you know, feel like our kid thriving in that way is some sense of justification that comes back to us. I don't, I don't, it's hard to describe, but it's a real thing. It is. It is. I assume that because, you know, I was, I made good grades, then that's what my child has to do in order to live a happy, productive life. 
Yeah, I knew, I knew a woman who was a college cheerleader in a, a very kind of a place where it's very prestigious to be mm-hmm. a college cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I don't keep up with that a whole lot, but uh, <laughs> but I did from, put up from what I understand. Anyhow, and honestly, you could just see from day one, the mom was 100% paving the path, carving, pushing, doing everything to push the kid down that path. Right. And uh, and it ha- it was all tied up in her feeling like she, that was, she was really special because of that accomplishment and that position that she had long, long ago, <laughs> long ago. So anyhow, critically important for us to kind of know our own story, mm-hmm. to know our tendencies in terms of sin and idolatry and to be repenting from those things. That's where ground zero is for this. Yes. That's excellent. Yeah. And, and if we, if we're constantly trying to justify ourselves or to give our children the same path that we had, then we're discouraging them from the path that God has for them. Good word. Good word. We're like one of those characters on in Pilgrim's Progress that's trying to interfere with the path of Celestial City. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to be doing that. Yeah. Next is we need to remember what our role is as a parent and cut against the grain. In, in culture today, particularly American suburban culture, this may not be the way it is in the UK or Canada or Australia, but in the US and in, in the suburbs particularly, parents feel like their primary job is to make their child an optimal performer in the market economy for them to be successful professionally in terms of power and money and things of that nature. And that's not biblical. Yeah, no. I mean, we do want to, you know, we get sure we want to train up our kids with some basic competence so that they can be self-sufficient as adults, but to raise children who will be very successful according to the world standards, that's not, that's not our job. What's our job, team mom? (laughs) Our job is to faithfully disciple our children to love Jesus, to know Jesus. Our job is to read God's word with them, to talk to them about Jesus, to pray with them, to take them to church. Our, our job is to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, minds, and souls, and then to talk with our children about him as we walk in the way, when we sit, when we lie down, mm-hmm. when we stand, um, disciple them along the way to know and love Jesus. Amen. And, and, and you know, this goes back to our first episode, also to just to know them, to listen to them, mm-hmm. to be a student of that ch- child, uh, for them to just feel like their parent really knows and understands them and connects with them. So connection far above competence. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. And that's a very freeing thing to embrace, but boy, oh boy, you got to be catching yourself and repenting because it is very countercultural to do that. It, it, everything has been trying to bend us towards competition and competence. And yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, you're, you're going to be swimming against the current. Yeah. Amen. And that's the last thing here. And this is just, honestly, this is kind of the answer for everything <laughs> is to find your deepest satisfaction in Christ. Yes. The more satisfied you are in your relationship with Jesus, the more that you are feeling the freedom of your justification, your enoughness through the grace and righteousness of Christ the easier it's going to be for you to let go of control. 
the easier it's going to be for you not to not to jump in and be the soccer mom the soccer mom the OG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that is that is a, a good word and to the extent that we can rest in Christ and rest in our relationship with him and understand what he's done for us live with joy in that we're going to enjoy our children a lot more we're going to have fun with them yeah and it will our relationships with them will not be fraught with the burden of our idols and it will be a lot freer and the more liberated your child will be from feeling the burden of your control yes amen yeah yeah hey mom that seems like a good place to wrap up this whole season i i've I've learned a lot. It's Me been a good too. one. I'm I, encouraged. I, mean, I think we made the playoffs. <laughs> uh, how about that? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter if your child is a little bitty or if your you know, kids like mine are full grown. These are things that parents have to work with nonstop. And I imagine I'm not a grandmother, but I imagine there's an element to that bleeds right on into that too. So, um, so we. We say these things in this podcast, not because we've got these things figured out, but because we, too, need to rehearse these truths for ourselves pretty much every day, as you said, in order to to live with some peace and joy. That's it. That's it. Well, this is the Rooted Parent Podcast, where we're trying to help people parent out of the peace of the gospel, the wisdom of scripture, and the grace of Jesus. And uh, we want to remind you that God loves your child more than you do, and you can rest in that. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope y'all have a great day. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Rooted Parent. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music featured on this episode.